Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, September 18th, and this is your FT News Briefing. A major auto union is calling on all workers to unite. Either you're with the billionaire class or you're with the working class. And Instacart is pricing its initial public offering today. Plus, we'll look at why the UK Prime Minister won't be rubbing elbows with global leaders in New York this week. I'm Sonia Hudson, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Negotiations between the United Auto Workers Union and Detroit automakers resumed over the weekend after thousands of workers walked off the job last Thursday at midnight. The union is striking against General Motors, Stellantis, and Ford for higher pay, but also to protect workers against a larger existential crisis, the move to electric vehicles. I'm joined now by the FT's Chicago correspondent, Claire Bushy. She covers the auto industry. Hi, Claire. Hi. So, Claire, tell me about this existential crisis that auto workers are worried about. What's at stake for the UAW? Well, there's a lot at stake. I mean, auto wages, real auto wages, have been declining for a long time. But then there's this looming issue that is in the backdrop that we really haven't seen influence bargaining before, and that is electric vehicles. So... Quite simply, the UAW wants to ensure that the cars of the future are built with union labor. But, you know, the major player in electric vehicles, Tesla, which has most of the sales, extremely anti-union. And there's a lot of concern that um, there will be job loss uh, as this happens because an internal combustion engine has so many parts and they wear out batteries. Fewer parts, fewer parts in the powertrain. And so the UAW itself has estimated in the past that, you know, as many as 35,000 jobs could be lost as this shift happens. What's the union's strategy then to maximize pressure on automakers? So UAW President Sean Fain called for what the union has dubbed a stand-up strike. We will call on select facilities locals, or units to stand up and go on strike. They are striking all three companies for the first time in their history. It allows them to really hit where it hurts. Uh, The plants that have been selected all make products that are, you know, popular with customers. The locals that are not yet called to join the stand-up strike will continue working under an expired agreement. And it also means that the union strike fund, where they pay out striking workers, they can make it last longer. That's very important because a strike is sort of about endurance. Who can last longer, the union or the companies? So Claire, it's been a summer of really intense labor activity. Where do you think things stand in the broader U.S. labor movement? One of the things that I think is really fascinating about the UAW strike is that I think Sean Fain is doing a very good job of broadening this beyond 
auto workers. When you listen to him talk, he talks about this is a strike against the billionaire class. The billionaire class has been taking everything and the working class has been left scraping. And while they certainly are talking about the chief executives of the Detroit Three, I think that those words resonate with more people than who build cars for a living. And I think he's tapping into a wider sentiment. Claire Bushy is the FT's Chicago correspondent. She covers the auto industry. Thanks, Claire. Thanks so much. Another week, another tech IPO. Instacart is set to announce its final pricing today. But we may already have a sneak peek of what's to come. The online grocery delivery app boosted its price range on Friday by about 7%. This all comes after Arm's blockbuster listing last week. Investor demand for shares in the British chip designer has made people optimistic about a resurgence in the IPO market. It's been a bit of a snoozer in recent years. World leaders are descending on New York this week for the annual United Nations General Assembly. It's one of the biggest annual global forums. And this year, climate is definitely on the agenda. The UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres is hosting a climate ambition summit at the General Assembly. And he's invited leaders from the world's major economies to attend. But not everyone has RSVP'd yes. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has decided to sit this one out. FT political correspondent Anna Gross is here to explain what this means for the UK government's battle against climate change. Hey, Anna. Hi, thank you for having me. So what's behind Sunak's decision and how big of a deal is it? So Sunak would actually be the first prime minister in a decade not to attend. The last time a British PM didn't go was when uh, the deputy prime minister, Nick Clegg, attended instead of David Cameron in 2013. But Cameron did attend in every other year. And so, I mean, in terms of why he's not attending, the, the official line we're getting from Downing Street is that A, he has a lot of domestic priorities that he's dealing with, and B, he's already got plans to meet Uh, international leaders at the COP28 summit in the UAE. But it does come at a time when uh, Sunak's government is being accused of watering down key environmental pledges to signal to the electorate that he's not going to pander to the green lobby and make them pay more for these uh, green policies at a time when, you know, we're, we're going through a cost of living crisis. Yeah. Can you talk a little more about which policies or plans Sunak has been backpedaling on? So one of the biggest issues that's really concerned environmental groups is his approval of new oil and gas exploration and development projects, which basically runs counter to guidance from every major uh, environmental policy group that says we need to stop exploring new oil and gas uh, basically altogether. And then officials have over the past couple of months indicated that they're now re-examining, re-scrutinizing some of the goals that they'd set themselves around um, banning new petrol and diesel cars by 2030, for example, and phasing out gas boilers by 2035. But it's not yet clear whether those policies are going to be abandoned or whether, as I say, it's kind of a political signal that's being sent. 
So given all this context, how should we be thinking about the UK's place in the fight against climate change? I mean, the country has largely been seen as an important leader in this field. I think it's definitely fair to say that the UK's image as a world leader on climate issues is slipping. And for all the criticism that Boris Johnson has received, he did manage to uphold um, and, and even in some ways strengthen that position. So while Sunak might be courting some favour at home, and I do think the jury is out on that, given that there is a lot of cross-party support in Britain for moving to a net zero economy, he is likely frustrating leaders overseas that are taking global targets really seriously. Anna Gross is a political correspondent for the FT. Thanks, Anna. Thanks a lot. Before we go, payments will restart next month for millions of people in the United States who still have student loans. If you're one of those people, we want to hear from you. Tell us, how much will you have to pay each month? How are you feeling about it? And how is it going to impact your wallet? There's a link in the show notes where you can record your response. And we may play your voice message in an upcoming episode of The Briefing. You can read more on all these stories at ft.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.